Welcome to this production from College Place United Methodist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit our website at www.collegeplaceumc.org. And now, here's our sermon from Dr. Bill Daniel. Bless you, Annabelle. Bless you. Ain't no grave. Amen? We've been blessed with Annabelle's gifts, and we've seen them blossom right under our, our very eyes here. And she is being called to a new ministry beyond us here, and we're going to be praying her to her next place where she can bless the Lord with her praise and her worship and her gifts. We're sad to see her go. She's part of this family, and you've ministered to her, and she's returned the favor and ministered back to us in tough times and in times of joy. What a blessing she's been, and what a blessing it has been to see her grow in her ability to praise the Lord. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I come rested. We celebrated a big birthday in Patty's life, and we took care of some family business and played a little guitar, played a little, uh, uh, played in the sand a little bit with Patty, and we walked on the beach, and we rode our bikes, and I feel refreshed, refreshed and, and rested. You know, we need that as, as God's people. We know Jesus went, to the, to, went away from the crowds at a time, and, and um, that's just saying that ministry is important enough to give our very best so we must be renewed and refreshed in that. And so I thank you for letting us do that. And so once more into the breach, dear friends, today we celebrate communion. And Patty and I and Cora Herndon and Andy and Beth Kane will go to Columbus to represent you at the South Georgia Annual Conference. And so we covet your prayers as we travel that long and winding road to Columbus, Georgia today. we got to leave right after church because we barely have enough time. So let's, let's think about the text today. Our text is from Luke, the seventh chapter, Jesus raising the widow's son at Nain. It's about, it's about taking our pain, our loss, our grief to Christ and letting him touch us through the tears and call a time out so that God's love and grace can fill us in those empty places that we all have. Amen? That might be the sermon right there. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. And as he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. So think about that. The widow's only son. She's lost her husband. She's lost her only son. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion from the very depths of his being. That's what it says in Greek. Doesn't really come through in the translation. Compassion. We have compassion for a lot of things, but Jesus' compassion and God's compassion comes from the very depths of the interior of love itself. He had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep, or don't let your weeping deter you. Then he came forward and touched 
the beer or the funeral, the funeral conveyance, and the bearers of the body stood still. Took time out. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear seized all of them, and then they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has looked favorably upon his people, and this word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. May the Lord bless you with the hearing and the receiving of his word. There's a, a great book. It may have escaped your attention if you do funerals like I have unfortunately had to do over uh, almost 35 years of ministry. If you've done funerals, there's a helpful little book no, it's not the book of worship. That's very helpful, too, as we look at how to comfort the grieving. It's a very comforting tradition, and many resources are there. And, and Tab and I lean on the tradition, the funeral tradition, to give comfort. But there's another little book. It's written by a southern lady from Mississippi, and it's called Being Dead is No Excuse. <laughs> Think about that title. Being Dead is No Excuse. It's about southern culture particularly the Delta Mississippi culture, and how even in death, the most important thing is to keep up appearances. <laughs> it's all important how we take our grief to the table. That's what this author says. You can have all the theology in the world, but the Southern ladies know what really begins the long road of processing grief. It's a good cry, a good hug, and some time out to gather around some great food. It's all right here in the text. Being dead is no excuse is not the first to call attention to the grief process and how there are some hints for the healing of our soul. But it's important. Whenever we had a funeral in Louisville, the funeral director would get secretly excited at the Methodist Church, he said, the ladies of the Methodist Church knew how to do the best funeral dinners of any in town. He said they beat the Baptists. They beat the Episcopalians. They beat any of the charismatic churches. The Methodist ladies know how to lay out a spread that begins the healing process. And I think he was right. He said it in jest, but there's some truth to it. The funeral procession in our text is one full of grief that any southern town and any large extended family, aging family, has, has probably encountered. We've encountered way too many of these funerals in our own church here at College Place. And many United Methodist Church are facing a demographic shift in which the procession forward does look like many funerals. But there's some hints on how to heal and to work through grief in this text. The mother was twice grieved. She was a widow, and she was losing her only son, which meant her only form of support in Semitic culture. And she was literally a woman without voice or status, almost an invisible woman now due to this death. And so the grief was doubly palpable. And this whole passage would have been familiar, a widow who loses her son, 
this passage would have struck at the very heart of the people of Israel. It would have reminded them of the prophet Elijah and the story of how the Lord sent the prophet Elijah to the widow of Zarephath, a Gentile woman who had been widowed and then was losing her son and would lose her son. And yet Elijah gave her son back to her and then God fed the widow of Zarephath and Elijah and the family, literally fed her and them with ravens, with ravens food. The ravens literally brought them food. The table is at the heart of both Old and New Testament grieving, and God's provision comes to us. The people of Israel would have heard this. Take it to the table. Jesus says, do not weep. He's not simply saying don't weep because Jesus was most human. He was saying, don't let the tears keep you stuck in your grief. Let the tears flow through you and then let them teach you. Let them teach you. Let, you, let yourself be led by the tears because we can't heal in grief what we don't feel. That's what psychologists teach us. You can't heal what you can't feel, what you don't acknowledge. And acknowledging our pain and loss, and many of us have experienced loss in the past year, few years, and the road to healing certainly begins in deep feeling, acknowledging. Jesus had deep feeling of compassion, and it met her deep feeling of grief. You see how that worked? She acknowledged her grief, and in a sense, Jesus was saying, do not be stuck in your tears. Do not get lost in your tears. But be led to see the presence of God right before you. See, sometimes I think we have to cry our way through some grief because we have to clear away all the things that we've, we've gathered around ourselves to give us comfort in life. You know, our titles, our jobs, our incomes, our houses, our beautiful clothes, our hobbies, our... our uh, entertainments, all the things that, that we gather around to fortify who we are and to make us who we are, when we begin to lose those, and as we age, we do begin to see loss in, these area, in all these areas, we want to weep. Jesus says we can't heal what we can't feel. Don't get lost in your tears. Be led to deeper truth of God's love and presence standing before you. Take it to the table. Take your tears. Take your pain. Don't get lost in them. Let them wash away all the things that have blocked you from seeing the love of God. The compassion of God stood before the widow on the way to Nain. But she had to feel a little before she could begin the healing. We cannot heal what we do not feel. So we must, we must acknowledge the pain in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, tears were seen as seed for the harvest of joy to come. Did you know that? In the Old Testament tradition, Psalm 126 says it. May those who sow in tears, sowing tears, tears as seeds, may those who sow the seed of tears reap with shouts of joy. Our tears are seeds for growth and insight into God's compassion that stands before us, ever before us. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, the seed of tears for sowing, 
shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing in their sheaves. We sing that, bringing in the sheaves. But we forget the part about the crying, the tears of sorrow as the seed for the harvest of joy to come. Jesus said, don't get lost in your tears. Be led by your tears. Be led deeper into the compassion of God. The great writer Frederick Beekner said about tears, be careful. Pay attention to your tears. Do you remember the last time you cried? Pay attention to the last time you cried. Not only is it teaching you who you are, it's revealing where you've come from. And if you want to save your soul, where the next step in your life shall lead. Oh, tears are a teacher, friends. Don't get lost in the tears. Be led by the tears to the next step where God wants to give you compassion and to touch you. Tears are a teacher. Tears are the seed of growth and insight to see the presence of God. Jesus then reached out and touched the funeral bearers, the pallbearers, if you will. He said, stop. He touched the body, which was quite unusual. Said dead man, to the dead man, rise. I say to you, arise. Jesus touched the casket, if you will. He touched the dead, which were considered unclean in Palestine of the time. Touching is also a part of healing. We know that the good Methodist ladies know you lay out a spread, you let people cry, and you give a lot of hugs. The touch is important, not only for grief, but for healing. The great oncologist, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who you've heard me quote from time to time, believes in healing that comes not simply through chemotherapy and radiation and surgery. He made the claim that in his almost 40 years of practice, he saw many miracles, cancer in remission, but he never saw a miracle of cancer in remission against all odds in which the people weren't touched by deeper relationships in their lives. They opened themselves up in forgiveness to others. They made themselves available to others, touching, hugging that which had been closed off in their hearts to the world was touched. Somehow the cancer allowed or called them and summoned them out from the prison of their own body and soul to reach out a little further. The touch of Christ comes to us to heal us again, but often that touch comes through you and I touching one another, and when we are in pain, reaching to touch others. There's never been a healing in which people weren't touched and experienced the call to go further than themselves, to reach out further to the world. When we focus on our own pains, our own needs, our own disappointments, our own pity parties, we often do withdraw. And we know that the sick who withdraw have already made a suicidal choice. We also know as pastors that patients who are touched and are visited regularly, their wounds actually heal faster than those patients who are alone. Oh, we need to cry our tears to sow the harvest of joy, but we also need the human touch 
We need both the touch when we are in pain to reach out. And sometimes we're afraid to reach and tell people where our real hurts and real needs are. And sometimes we're afraid to reach out to the wounded for fear of showing our own wounds. Jesus said, take it to the table. You can't heal what you can't feel. You can't be healed if you can't cry enough to know where you're hurting. And you can't be healed if you don't reach out and touch the wounded. It heals both our wounds when we walk together. Jesus touched the unclean and said, arise. You can almost hear Bernie Siegel said, there's never been a patient that has risen up out of a cancer bed that hasn't cried their way to deeper truths about themselves and touched their way to deeper love through forgiveness, acceptance, and compassion. Oh, take it to the table, college place. Being dead is no excuse. The, the Lord of life is our Lord and comes to us and says, I've given my body and my blood for you. I am wounded. I have cried tears. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've cried, how I've longed to see. You receive your moment of visitation. How I've longed to see you gathered to the compassion of God like the hen gathers the chicks. People who... Acknowledge their tears and touch and hold on tightly to the Lord and tightly to the Lord's people. Have a puncher's chance at healing. Have a fighter's chance of faith to be transformed. The last is to take a little time out. The prescription for health and healing to tears, the touch, but some time out. The procession was going forward. All the machinery of culture. Jewish culture, everybody knew their part. Everybody knew their, their role. The good ladies of the funeral committee were ready for the widow of Nain. The spread was out there. The crying towels were ready. The hugs were there. And Jesus said, hold on a second. Let's stop this train a little bit. There's still some life left. There's life in the midst of death. When Jesus is standing with us, there's always new life. Bursting to get out in the face of death. Hold on a second. He told the bearers to. The bearers stood still. They took time out. He stopped it. Let's not be led by death. Let's be led by life. Arise, young man. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they would have heard Elijah giving back the widow Zarephath, her living son. And this Jesus is the one that fed through Elijah, the widow of Zarephath, and restored her son to life. This Jesus is the one that feeds us and says, take some time. Restore yourself. Don't be in such a hurry down the paths of death that we choose in our lives. There's a great old southern culture. And... Um, this southern cultural uh, feature has sort of subsided a little bit. You remember when the funeral procession comes by on the way to the graveyard? That we don't always do graveyard processionals these days. But remember in the past how people used to pull off to the side of the road and stop, take a time out for the funeral procession? I think we do it a little bit here more in Brunswick than... Um, than they do in Atlanta, <laughs> let's just put it that way, or in Jacksonville. The funeral procession 
leading so hastily towards the grave, there was a sense in which we all knew it was a time where the, the bell of death tolled for all of us. It's the great poet, priest John Donne, wrote, when they, whenever they heard the village town bell pealing at a funeral, he said, ask not for whom the bell tolls, the bell tolls for thee. We see a processional, and the processional, the death bell tolls for thee. And Jesus says, take some time out. Reflect on your past, the things that you've chased, the things that have made you who you are, the paths of longing and ambition that drive us. All the roads lead in the same direction to death. Take some time. The Lord of compassion and life stands before us, ever, ever ready to feed us and to lead us. Sometimes we have to listen a little deeply to our tears. Where are you crying a little bit? The Lord's leading you. I think tears and hugs are kind of like the great GPS of God. They tell us who you've been, who you are, and where you're going. They're like the directions. Up ahead, turn left. Our tears are telling us something. When you're crying, pay attention. If somebody's reaching out to you, if you feel the need to reach out to somebody, God's telling you something. Look inside. Look at what God's compassion has in store for you and share that compassion with others. And take some time out. Easy for me to say, I come back tanned and rested, right? We all are chasing our paths and need to take a little time out and ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. At this table, we are invited to be fed by the Lord of compassion, the Lord of life, the Lord of healing. The Lord of life and healing invites you. Bring your tears. Let me teach you. The Lord of life and compassion says, are you lonely? Come to the table. Let me touch you. Be touched by the grace of God. The Lord of life and healing says, come to this table. Take a moment in time. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Though each of us die because of this death on the cross, we can be led to eternal life and abundant life now. I'm going to invite Reverend Miller to come and join me as we invite you to the table. Take your tears. Take your need for touch. Take your need for time with God to this table and feel where God wants to heal and make new. This has been a production of College Place United Methodist Church. May God bless you richly upon hearing this message.